in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Luke. Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood there and said this prayer to himself, I thank you, God, that I'm not grasping, unjust, adulterous, like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes on all I get. The tax collector stood some distance away, not daring even to raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home again at rights of God. The other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but a man who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. In a 1946 radio address, Pope Pius XII said this, the greatest sin today is that men have lost the sense of sin. Note that this claim was made 76 years ago during a more innocent and religious time of our grandparents and great-grandparents. The Pope must have been prophetic. If that was true then, then how much more so is this statement true today? There has been no great moral awakening since the good Pope uttered these words, so that what was begun has found its completion in our age. The widespread loss of a sense of sin has led to a great spiritual malaise in which any semblance of shame has been lost and sins are demanded as rights. Abortion, the killing of innocent and defenseless babies in a womb, is today regarded as fundamental right and its denial as a major sin. Sodomy and pedophilia, or the sexual attraction to children, are being normalized as different facets along a wide spectrum of sexual orientations which should be socially acceptable. Even members of the Catholic Church seem to have lost their way, as well as their sense of sin. Communion lines grow longer, while confession lines grow shorter and even public sinners are given communion as a right. The pride which blinds us to our own sins is represented by the Pharisee in today's Gospel, and the solution to Pharisaism is the humility of the publican. The publican had no doubt he was a sinner. He saw the gravity of his sins, and they overwhelmed him. There was no self-sufficiency in him. As the Sami says, a humble and contrite heart thou, O God, will not despise. This humility, this acknowledgement of our utter neediness, is the heart of true repentance. In God's order of justice, only those who accuse themselves of their sins and confess like common criminals can find forgiveness. Just as the one with leprosy can only find healing when he runs to the nearest physician, it is only when we are condemned in our own eyes that we find pardon. The truth is, 
we are all desperately in need of God's healing and forgiveness. Notice that it was the Pharisee who denied sin in himself and left unredeemed, while it was the publican who acknowledged personal culpability in sin who left vindicated. But in today's world, with its upside-down perspective of values and skewed assessment of what is right and wrong, the omission or reminder of sin is often labelled as being pharisaical. On this Sunday, which is World Mission Sunday, we are reminded that mission is the primary activity of the Church. We often hear that the mission of the Church is to preach the good news of salvation. But let us not forget that one of our essential tasks is also to preach the bad news of sin. In fact, the Church has no mission if there is no sin, or at least if there is no sin to be forgiven. Salvation will be meaningless if there is nothing we are to be saved from. Just as the Father sent the Son into the world for the forgiveness of sins, so the Son sends the apostles and their successors. To omit the reality of sin from the gospel renders the good news utterly senseless and salvation an empty concept. This is the reason why we need to recover a sense of sin, not because the church is busy in giving guilt trips to her followers, but because she understands that the path to salvation can only happen when one humbly and honestly acknowledges one's sinfulness and chooses to repent. That we can develop a healthy sense of sin is itself good news, because it frees us from not only rationalization, but also scrupulosity. Both of these ensnare us because they leave us close to the reality of God's mercy. They render his mercy toothless and mere platitude. What then would a healthy sense of sin consist in? The first step would be to call a spade a spade, or in this context, to call sin, sin. We live in a politically correct world, where words no longer hold the original meaning and are subject to slick reimagining to escape culpability and guilt. Sin is an offence against God, disobedience against His holy sovereign will. Refusing to recognise this as bad as a person who denies he is suffering from some terminal illness and thus refusing to take the remedy. This was the problem of the Pharisee. It was not just hubris which made him congratulate himself for his outstanding righteousness, but also his refusal to acknowledge that he too was a sinner, like the publican and the rest of humanity, in need of re redemption. Only by recognizing sin can we then take the next step, taking responsibility. The publican humbly confessed that he was a sinner because he understood that his sin was his own doing. There is no blaming of others, excusing oneself with rationalizing, but simple and humble acknowledgement that we deserve just punishment for our sins. But the amazing surprise is that the moment we confess our guilt and take responsibility for our actions, we will be rewarded with God's mercy rather than his wrath. Lastly, a healthy sense of sin or healthy conscience can only be cultivated through prayer, regular examination of conscience, a 
and frequenting the sacrament of penance. Failure to observe and cultivate these spiritual exercises will certainly lead to a lax conscience, which is desensitized to sin. You won't even know what hit you even if sin looked like a 20-ton trailer on a head-on direct collision course with you. Making regular sacramental confession enables us to stay focused on doing what is pleasing to God and avoiding what displeases Him. Unlike what many modern-age pop psychologists would advocate, we don't have to pretend to be good to make ourselves feel good. Ironically, it is when we acknowledge that we are bad but still loved by a wondrously good God that we have the potential of becoming good. In fact, sanctified and saintly. Servant of God John Bradburn, a candidate for canonization, had worked among the lepers of Rhodesia, often proudly declared, I'm so useless and clueless and unillustrious that makes me more truly confident in the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Saints, whenever individuals whose lives were impeccable or immune to sin and temptation, but they were certainly sinners who had humbly thrown themselves at the feet of God pleading his mercy, only to be rewarded with a clean slate and a new start in life. Sainthood is within reach because redemption is real and within the reach of every person, even the most hardened of sinners. As the old adage goes, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Let's embrace the spirit of the publican and in our weakness and sinfulness, let us cry out to our Lord, God be merciful to me, a sinner. For he did not come to heal the healthy, but the sick. If we do not acknowledge our sin, we have no part in him. As the Lord himself said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.